0: Well, good to see you in church this morning, and uh, I I behaved real good on the way here last night, brother, just so you know, because I have heard that if you mess around in Virginia, they will get you, and so uh, I behaved myself and set the cruise and and tried just not to fall asleep and die. That's what I was trying to do last night, just to be honest with you, and so far it's been a success, (laughs) praise the Lord. Revelation chapter 1 We'll turn our Bibles there, and I won't keep you long. We know we got food afterward, and so don't want to, uh, goodness gracious, look at this baby cup of water. He don't plan for me to preach very long, does he? Look at that. I said, hey, brother, you got some water, some baby bottle of water? He said, I'll get you a, a cup. I said, all right. And he brought me a shot glass here this morning. Uh, some of you don't know what that is. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So it obviously won't be long because I'll be parched and dry here in just a moment. But I'm uh, pleased to be here, and it's exciting to be here, to be honest with you, and uh, I'm very excited just about uh, the story of this church, and I hope hope that you know the story. And if you don't, if you've just been coming, or maybe even visiting today, you just ought to sit around with some of these folks that have been here for a while, and hear the miraculous history of these three years. And uh, it's a blessing to me. We met this morning. Uh, I think we met at the summit a couple years ago, and I used your preacher as an illustration with some other guys in a message we kind of connected that night up in New Jersey and then uh, he told me the story some last year at the hotel. We were all at the hotel and I was bringing my boy down to play in the pool and they were sitting there so I heard the story, but I wanted to hear it again before coming to this anniversary service. So this morning we met for breakfast and uh, what a blessing to hear just, you know, how the Lord brought them here and brought the other families here and then how the Lord worked out for this building. And uh, I don't know if you know much about the book of Nehemiah, but in the book of Nehemiah, he asked ridiculous things of that king, and the king just kept saying yes. He just kept nodding his head. I told Brother Brian, Brian, right? Is that right? I told Brother Brian it's like a bobblehead. God just kept hitting that king on the head, his head would just shake like that. And uh, that's kind of the way some of this stuff has been. The Lord has just got involved, and that's, the Bible said, uh, Nehemiah called it the good hand of my God, and boy, I'm thankful to hear the story of what God has done, and I'm very excited about what God is going to do in this place. Uh, I don't believe he has done all of these things just to stop now, and so we do praise the Lord, and I'm, I'm honored to be here. The preacher knows preachers all over the country. He could have had anybody, so I appreciate the privilege Uh, being here. I do apologize. I don't really like to be that guy that just swoops in and swoops out, uh, but it just kind of worked out that way calendar-wise. I'm going to be out some more from our pulpit in the next few weeks, and so I didn't feel like I could miss both services today. But I also just had it in my mind that it was about three hours away, just all the way up to like three days ago. (laughs) I'd say, you know, well now, I'm not talking to you about that, okay? Uh, You're setting me up. That's what you're doing. And so the other day I thought, you know what, I'll just preach the Sunday morning and, and I'll drive home and preach for Sunday night. Our service starts at 6 also. And then, and then I said, hey, what's the address? And I put it in and it said 5 hours and something. And I said, oh, that's going to be exciting. <laughs> so I apologize that I will. I'll shake a few hands and speak to some of you. Then I'm going to jump the car and begin to go back down to North Carolina. They'll probably start without me. And I'll run in and jump in the pulpit and say crazy things to our church tonight, probably. But I do appreciate it. I apologize for my appearance. This rain just kills my hair. I don't know how you ladies feel. It just tears my hair all to pieces. And uh, some of you don't like preachers with beards. I apologize. I don't normally have a beard. I do it during hunting season, during deer season. Be honest with you, I've been staring out that window. That looks like deer land right over there. (laughs) And... I mean, I'm not carrying anything today that could take care of a deer, but I've been looking out there thinking, man, I'd like to be in the woods if it wasn't Sunday. And uh, the truth is, it's a midlife crisis. When my hair started falling out up here, I had this crazy phenomenon. Uh, Other parts of my face were growing hair tremendously. Now, I see some ladies looking at their husbands like, "Uh uh-huh, particularly eyebrows and ears. Yeah, yeah, this sister, she's about to raise her hand and say amen, first time. And uh, then my eyebrow went, ladies, let me just go ahead and help these men. Can I help the families of your church? We don't want you just to walk up and jerk them out. <laughs> right? Say amen, fellas. Amen. Now, it is bad for preachers because these lights, I'll be preaching sometime, and all of a sudden one just comes out of nowhere. And you, can't, you cannot just jerk them out with your hand. Now, the hair on my head like a dandelion. Y'all know a dandelion? You just blow on it, and it all floats away. <laughs> But right here, they're about that deep. (laughs) Amen, fellas? She's like, hold on, I'll get my tweezers. No, no, no. (laughs) Like that. It hurts all the way down to our shoulder. Amen. So I thought, well, if it won't grow up here, maybe I can grow some here, and it's still not very good either. So I apologize for all of that. But I am glad to be here with you. I grew up in Kentucky, and I've been in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina Everybody says we're mountain people, we're really the bottom of the mountain, but we're country folk, and so I've got Kentucky Hillbilly and North Carolina Mountain talk all mixed together. And uh, the brother that is the officer, what's your name, brother? Brother John. Brother John said he would interpret if somebody needs help today. He said he could understand me, so. All right, none of that counted on my time. I'm going to start my time right now. All right, Revelation chapter 1, we're going to look at several verses. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you're probably sitting near somebody that does. And if you're the church folk and you kind of know some of these things and you got a visitor with you that don't have one, uh, maybe let them see your Bible. I want them to see some things in the Word of God today. And a lot of times I preach messages where I've got two or three points and maybe they're all starting with the same letter and stuff like that. And this message is not like that at all. I'm just going to run through some of these verses here in Revelation and. And pose a challenge to all of us from the word of God. So we'll start in verse 1. Then you keep your Bible open and we'll look at some other chapters here in this great book of the Bible. The Bible said in Revelation 1.1, The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bare record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. And so... If your Bible has it like mine in the heading or the title of the book, it says the revelation of St. John the Divine. And so the Apostle John is the physical human. That God used to write this book, uh, but we do want to see that in the middle he was given unto Jesus Christ, what it said in verse 1. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help me now to uh, say, I want to say it quickly, but I want to say very clearly what you've laid on my heart, and I pray that you would uh, speak to us from your word. Let your power be present and prevalent, and I pray that it would do the work that we need done in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, it. Now, I want to look through a few parts of this great book. i want to start by drawing your attention to... A few specific words in these verses, and then that will set the stage for the other places in the book of Revelation we want to look. I want to draw your attention, first of all, uh, to where it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, Right there in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. What that means is this great book here comes from the Lord, Uh, not from the heart of John, the physical author. These words came from the very heart of God, uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God his Father gave unto him. And so these come from the Lord. And you can believe the Bible. Now you say, well, well you're saying that to a church. I'm telling you, we're living in a day when even Christians now are wondering if they can believe the Bible. I want you to know you can believe the Bible from front to back and back to front and everything in between. You can believe what it says about creation just like it says it. You can believe what it says about salvation. You can believe what it says about future events that have not yet happened. You can believe the Word of God. As a matter of fact, you need to make sure that you do believe the Word of God. We've got to make sure that we tell our young people this world is constantly casting doubt on the word of God. And we've got to teach our children they can believe that this is the word of God that we have this morning. Notice furthermore that this not only comes from the Lord, but I want you to notice it was given to Jesus from the Father that he might show them. Look at that. To show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And so he is showing them and he goes through, it says in verse 2, his servant John. And so the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was given these things. They're coming from his heart. And he has given them to John the Beloved that is writing this book. He's the human vessel, the author, if you will. And the Lord gave them to John so that he might show, notice that, the things which must shortly come to pass. Well, and it says that John might show in verse 2 all the things that he saw, the things. And so you should say in your Bible, well, what things is he talking about? In verse 2, what was John supposed to show all of us? What things? Well, notice again in verse 1, it's the things which must shortly come to pass. Stay with me now. So the Lord is speaking to John. By the way, John's just a real person like me and you. John lived on this earth just like we live today. And John was a human, and God was speaking to his heart like he'll speak to our heart. And he was telling him some things that he wanted him to write down that would become the book of Revelation. And here's what he said. John, the things I'm telling you, I want you to then show them to some others. And here's what things they were. Things that must shortly come to pass. So he was showing John future things. Does everybody follow me? Shake your head if you understand that. He said, John, I'm going to show you some things that haven't happened yet. These are not history These are future events. By the way, uh, some of them have yet to happen, which means they are still future even to us. But God is showing them uh, to John, and John is supposed to then pass it on, and he wrote it down to show them to us. Many of these things have not yet happened. They're part of our future. Now, in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, we're not going to look at it. We're just going to skip through. But in the first three chapters, uh, the Bible says over and over that he is speaking to these churches. Look here. He's he's feeling bad about that baby glass he gave me. Thank you, preacher. If I pour them together, we're going to be here all day, so I'm going to be careful now. Oh, that's good. That's cold, too. Praise the Lord. And so, in the first three chapters, he is writing letters to churches, real churches, just like this one. Just like Mount Victory Baptist Church. There were seven churches there in Asia, and the Lord uh, wrote a letter through John to those seven churches. And you're teaching through it, I believe, teaching through some of the churches. He mentioned Laodicea. That's the last one. And so you go through the first three chapters, and it's just church, 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 to the church here, to the church there. But then look over in Revelation chapter 4. Look in chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible said in chapter 4, verse 1, the member of the Lord showing John some things that are yet to come. After this, I looked, this is John, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee the things which must be, look at this, hereafter. Now, uh, if you if you were to look at history, I went to college to be a school teacher. I went to college to be a math teacher, and I was a history minor. And uh, wasn't called to preach yet, didn't get called to preach till after college. And so when I was in, in college, uh, they would show you, you know, when you start studying history, they'll show you the timeline of human history. Now, when you look at that timeline of human history, they have got sections of human history already marked off. For example, many of you are familiar with like what they call the Dark Ages. Now, when they, when you look at the timeline, they'll show you when they think it begins and when they feel like it ended. Now you understand that they didn't know that's what it was when they were going through it. Does everybody understand that? Right. Those historical timelines are something that we have we have looked back on time and we have said, boy, that was a that was a whole different period of history right there. And it really started like in America, they'll talk about the Industrial Revolution. Now they didn't call it that when they were in it. That's something we've called it after we look back and say, boy, the, uh, the creation of this and the invention of that changed our country. And so, boy, that started the Industrial Revolution and it lasts to about right here. And this Then he'll move into another part of human history. Is everybody following me on that? So if I show it today, if I were to show it, you would see little marks where the beginning of a period starts and and the end of a period is and a new one starts and another one ends. Well, here's what you need to know about God. God's got all that figured out, and he's already got it marked off in the future. See? He don't have to wait till afterward like we do and say, oh, oh, that's what happened. It was here, and then it ended here, and then we entered into a new age. See, the Lord, time is nothing to God. He's yeah. eternal, eternal past, eternal pr- future. And so he's already got the timeline marked off. So look here. That means there's some future things that He's already knows when it's going to start, when it's going to stop, and the next thing will start. And if we could see his timeline, we would see what was coming. Yeah. And that's what he's given glimpses of here To John, he said some things that must come hereafter. As a matter of fact, here in verse 1, that's the way it ends. He said, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, what we believe, most Bible teachers believe that here in chapter 4, verse 1, in the first three chapters, it's church, 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 like what we're living right now. But then in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, there's this voice out of heaven, like a trumpet, that says, come up hither. We believe that's a picture of the rapture of the church. If you could see the timeline of human history, you would see all them things I mentioned. But you would see ahead of right now the next major event on God's timeline is this thing called the rapture. Where the Lord is going to step out on the clouds and he is going to literally say, come up hither. And he's going to call up to heaven out of this world all of his children. Those that have been saved by the grace of God. Born again Christians. And it's very interesting that the first three chapters here, it's the word church over and over and over. And after Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, you don't see the word church again until the very end of the book. Right. You know why? Because he's just taken the church out in that rapture of the church. It's glimpses of future events. In verses 2 to 11, we're not going to read them, uh, but you start seeing that this is not an illustration where he says, I see a throne in verse 2, and he begins to describe the very throne of God. Hey, this is not a parable. Uh, This is not an illustration. This uh, This is not just some vision. No, he is seeing a real place, and one of these days we that are saved will be there. There's a throne in heaven. By the way, there's only one throne. The Bible said only one can sit on the throne, and it's a real place. And one of these days, we that are saved will be there just as much as we're here today. And I'm at this pulpit. There's a throne in heaven, and I will be at that throne. And he is showing John these real things that are yet to come. And boy, what a day that will be. we got a man in our church. His daddy just passed away. I visited him yesterday morning. And his daddy was a faithful preacher for over 50 years. Well, I thought about what an entrance he made into heaven the other day. All them things he believed by faith he just saw by sight. Just the other day, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Instantly he was in the presence of the Lord. that He preached about all those years. What a day that's going to be. There will be no sorrow there. No more sickness there. No sadness there. No sin there. It will be a good place. These are real events in our future. Turn with me if you would. We're going quickly over to Revelation 19. So I need you to understand that these are not uh, just, you know, there's, there's an old set of books. They call them Aesop's Fables. How I many of you raise your head if you're familiar with that, Aesop's Fables? A lot of the children don't have any idea, maybe, but uh, they would use those stories. Those are made-up stories to teach morals and lessons. Am I right? Shake your head if you understand that. And so that's what I'm afraid many people think the Bible is. Many people think the Bible, it's a good book and it teaches some good lessons, but uh, they think it's just like Aesop's fables. It's just made-up stories to teach some good lessons. And they read these stories in Revelation, and they start thinking, wow, isn't that interesting? Wow, what's God trying to tell us? I want you to know something. These are not made-up stories. These are actual future events that will happen. When you start looking at Revelation 19, and going quickly now, I'm watching the time. Verse 5, the Bible said, And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, and the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth there, worshiping God. This is a real story. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb. Notice this. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. And the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Again, this is an actual event. This is a futuristic event that is going to take place. Just as much as we're having a gathering today and you've got a meal plan, and you're going to sit around a table and there's going to be a plate and there's going to be food and there's going to be people that did the work. Hey, there is coming an event. They call it the marriage supper of the Lamb. And when you get there, those that get there are those who are part of the bride of Christ. And that is the people who have been saved by the grace of God. It's not a group of perfect people. Hey, listen, it's not a group of people that never did anything wrong. It's not a group of people that, you know, didn't make any mistakes. It's not perfect folks. It's not religious folks. It's not just good or bad people. It is saved people. You say, well, well, how do I know if I'm saved? Well, you must be born again, the Lord Jesus said. That means there's got to come a time in your life that you yourself, nobody can do it for you. mom and dad can't do it for you. The preacher can't do it for you. You have to realize that you're a sinner And that because you're a sinner, uh, you cannot go to heaven. You know why that is. Because heaven's not a good place. Heaven's a perfect place. So no sin can enter heaven. So now all of a sudden, because I'm a sinner, and we all are, I can't just go into heaven. I would mess up heaven. And God's a holy God. He won't allow that. So what had to happen is my sins had to be taken care of. So here it is. You must realize you're a sinner. And that because of those sins, you're supposed to go to hell. But you don't want to go. And so you cry out to the Lord. The Bible said, Whosoever shall call on the name of it's just prayer. You just pray out, you just call out to God from your heart and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know because of my sins, I'm supposed to go to hell, but I don't want to. And so I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. And when you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart, you receive him into your heart as Savior, the Bible said that whosoever shall call the name of the Lord shall be saved. That he'll save anybody that does that. I will, he said, If any man come to me, I will in no wise cast him out. That's who's in this picture right here. When it says the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's all the people, not the people that went to church, not the people that were religious, not the people that gave a good offering, not the people that offered some sacrifice. No, the people who are in this story are those who have been saved by grace through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, those people are part of the bride of Christ, and they are at the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is an actual event. That means, listen, I'm going to be there. Uh, you, know what, you know what we're talking about here? We're talking about John has been shown some things, not, not just, you know, vision. these are glimpses of the future he's been shown. Actual events he's being shown. So you know what that means, brother bro Steve? That means he saw us. I'm there. I'm I'm saved by the grace of God, not because I'm a preacher, not because I'm any good, because when I was seven years old, I heard a preacher preach the gospel, realized that I had sinned already, and that if I died, I would go to hell, and I cried out to God, and he heard my prayer and washed my sins away. I got saved that day. Thank God if you ever get saved, you're saved. So you know what that means? That means John saw us. By his grace, I'm there. I'm in this picture. My family, my wife, my children, by the grace of God, they've been saved. They're there. Brother Boots is there. My brother Brian, you're there. I'm I'm assuming you've been saved, brother Brian. All right, good, good. I mean, you seem like a nice enough feller, but, you know, you can't just guess. So, I mean, I know your wife's there, but that's what I'm telling you. Listen, we sometimes read these things, and and it's like Aesop's Fables. It's just a little nice story to teach. No, 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 no. He said, I'm going to show you things that will be hereafter. He, he gave him glimpses of events that God already knows is going to happen. And listen to me. When they were looking at it, they were seeing people. Yeah. And I'm there. Yeah. Are you? Are you in that picture that John saw? Yeah. You see, well, I, I don't know if anybody can know for sure. Well, 1 John 5.13 says, These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You can know. Amen. Look at verse 11 to 15 here, Revelation 19. We're almost, or Revelation, uh, yeah, 19, verse 11. Look at it. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true That's the Lord Jesus And in righteousness he doth judge and make war His eyes were a flame of fire Look at this, it said on his head were many crowns He had a name written that no man knew but himself He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood And his name is called the Word of God By the way, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word The Word was with God and the Word was God The Lord Jesus here, verse 14 And the armies which were in heaven Followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen White and clean out of his mouth Goeth the sharp sword You say, what is this? This is another future event. You know what this one is? This is when Jesus is coming all the way back. At the rapture, he's just going to step out on the cloud and call us up. Hey, come up hither. It's like a mama back in the day when the kids could just go outside and play. And she didn't have to worry about them being taken or killed or whatever. And they'd just let them go play out in the country. But when it come time for supper, you know what mom would do? She'd step out on the porch and just holler. Some of you remember the old Ma and Pa Kettle show. Anybody remember that old show? She'd say, come and get it. That's what they'd do. And all them kids would come running. Hey, that's what the Lord's going to do. He's not coming all the way down here at the rapture. He's going to step out on the cloud and say, come up hither. And every one of us that have been saved and those that have died that have been saved, their bodies will be caught out of the ground. We that are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Hey, but then... After we're there with him, and we have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're judged at the judgment seat of Christ, we don't have time to talk about that. But then after that, he's coming back physically all the way. He's coming to the earth, and he's going to sit on the throne that is rightfully his in Jerusalem, the throne of David. They call this the the beginning of the thousand-year millennial reign. The Lord's going to rule and reign. By the way, those armies right there that are coming back with him, that's the saints. That's us. I'm not even a horse person, but I'm going to be on one. John saw me riding one. Did he see you? I mean, are you there? Everybody that has ever gotten saved in your Sunday school class, they're in that picture. John saw them. He didn't know who they were. He didn't know all their family. He didn't know, oh, that was that was that family. Brother brother uh, Steve, you've been telling me about, you know, live near the church and all those things, that family, they're They're there. Hey, the people you give a tract to, the preacher says, hey, give out tracts. Let's invite folks. And you think, man, I don't ever see anybody get saved. Listen, some people get saved and we never know it. But guess what? They're there. They're at that marriage supper. They're they're riding on horses. They're coming back with the Lord. And listen, you need to know that you're there. Boy, in Revelation 20, he shows some other things. I'm going to have to hurry. I've been preaching right now, 18 minutes, just so you know that I am watching. (laughs) In Revelation 20, John sees a sight. It stirs my heart in the first few verses. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. I I love to read that. You know why? It reminds me that God's in control. Sometimes you look at this crazy world and you think, man, the devil's running wild and the the evil's running wild. I'm going to tell you something. God's in control. And what he does right here, he doesn't even have to bind the devil himself. He empowers one angel. He just says, hey, you, you go bind him up. And Satan has no power. You know why? Because God has empowered that one angel. He binds him up and throws him in the bottomless pit. And boy, if you look at verse 11, after that thousand years, he comes out of the bottomless pit. And it says, I saw a great white throne. Uh, let, me, let me find the verse. I think the one I want. Verse 10, I'm sorry. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Boy, the, the devil's finally going to get his. Won't that be a good day? I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but I hope we're all standing around watching. I hope we're all cheering. I hope maybe we can kick him as they drag him by. Everything bad that's ever happened in our life is because of Satan and sin. Oh yes, sometimes we want to be mad at a person. I'm telling you you'd be mad at you be mad at the devil, but one of these days the Lord's going to take care of him. Yeah, this is a real futuristic event. This is going to happen. The smoke of his torment will send up forever and forever. And John sees these sights they're real. Have you seen yourself this morning? I'm not going to be much longer. Have you seen yourself? You should be in these pictures. Do you know for sure that you were there at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now listen, I'm not bragging on myself. I don't believe I'm anything special. The Bible says there are none good. That's, that's all of us. None of us are any good. And I know I grew up in a drunkard's home. You understand? Very poor. And I grew up with nothing. And, I, and my dad has 12 brothers and sisters. And they're all rock and rollers. And they're all drug addicts. And I understand that's who I am. But the grace of God came to our house when I was five years old. Somebody introduced us to Jesus. And instead of my daddy going down the same path of all his brothers and sisters, he turned. And my mom turned. And now there's five preachers in the family. Three brothers and now two grandson preachers. I'm just telling you, I know where I come from. I know what I am. I'm not in the marriage supper of the Lamb picture because I'm any good. I'm in there because the grace of God saw fit for me to hear the truth. And he gave me the faith to trust in the Lord. And I got saved one day. That's why I'm in that picture. Hey, that's why I'm following the Lord as he's triumphantly returning. Not because I'm worthy. Not because he thinks I'm a good soldier not because he thought I was going to be a good preacher. Hey, by the grace of God, I'm in those pictures. The question is, are you in those pictures? Do you know for sure that you're there? Let me show you one more sight In Revelation 20, I started to read it, verse 11. There's a great white throne. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. Mrs. Boots, if you go ahead and come to and piano, just start playing softly. i would be a blessing. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, verse 12. Look at this. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Look at this verse. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's a real story. That's not just a scary story to try to get you to be a good person. That's not what that is. That is God, the Lord Jesus, the revelation of Jesus Christ, showing John that he might show us things, not pictures, types, illustrations, things. When he saw that throne, it's a real one. And when he sees this lake of fire, it's a real one. And he said, I'm going to show you things which are yet to come, but they're coming. Things that will come hereafter, the Bible said. And he said he wanted him to show them to us. That's why they're recorded in the Word of God. And if you didn't see yourself in any of them other ones, if you didn't see yourself in the marriage supper of the Lamb, because you don't know for sure if you're one of those born again. By the way, it's not just Baptists. It's not just Catholic. It's not just any particular. No, it's none of that. It's born again. Amen. You must be born again, is what Jesus said, yes. Himself. It's those who have been saved, more than religious, more than attending church, more than being baptized. That's not enough. Yes. There has. Listen, I ought to be able to take the microphone today, and walk up to you, and say, "Tell me when you got saved." And you ought to be able. Now, maybe you don't know the date. Unfortunately, I don't remember the date. Mama didn't tell me to write it down. I don't know, but I know the story. I can describe to you the moment in my life. I can talk to you about how I went to a Bible school and this happened and I came forward and nobody told me to pray. Nobody gave me any instruction. I didn't know what to do. I just saw from the back of the room and I'm, y'all can tell I'm pretty hyperactive already. That's what they used to say. They didn't have ADHD and all those terminologies. They would just say he's hyper and hit him in the head a lot. And that's what they did to me. And so hyper kids sitting in the back, these other kids would come forward and kneel down and stand up. And he would say, what would you do? And they'd say, I got saved. And everybody would cheer. All of a sudden, that cheering got my attention. I started watching. More kids would come up. They'd talk to this tall preacher. And he'd say, what are you here for? And they'd, they'd kneel down. They'd stand up. And he'd say, you get saved. They'd say, yes. Everybody would cheer. I said to my brother, I want to go do that. I came forward. He said, what do you want? So I want to get saved. So he said, all right, let's pray. He knelt down. He didn't tell me to pray. He didn't tell me I needed to repent. He didn't tell me anything. He just assumed I knew, I guess. All I knew is what I saw. So I just knelt down beside this guy that them other boys had knelt down by. We knelt down. I listened to him pray. And then we stood up. He said, did you get saved? Well, I did everything I saw them do. And so I said, yes. And everybody cheered. And I thought, "What's a good deal. I got in the car. Mom come pick me up. I said, Mom, I got saved tonight. She was so excited. Three or four months later, we're back at our home church. An old country preacher preaching on a Thursday night. Wasn't the pastor filling in. When he got called to preach, couldn't even read. But he was preaching that night, and the Lord told him exactly what to say. He said, if you've never prayed yourself and asked the Lord to save you, then if you die, you'd go to hell. And the Holy Ghost grabbed my little heart and said, you know you didn't pray. Now, see, if he would have said anything else, if he would have just said, if you've never been saved, I would have said, oh, I got saved. If he would have said, if you've never been to an altar, I would have said, oh, I went to an altar. So the Holy Ghost loved me enough to say exactly what I needed to hear. If you've never prayed yourself, and the Holy Ghost said, you know you didn't pray, and I went to the altar and got saved, and I've got to stop for time. But Listen, you ought to be able to do what I just did. You ought to be able to describe a moment, a situation in your life that is when you got saved. It's not a class It's not, I've always been in church. No, no, no. Birth is a moment. And Jesus said you must be born again. And if you don't see yourself at the marriage supper or in that great army or or around the throne because you don't know if you've got one of those stories, then I got sad news for you. Then you're in this last one. There There are no other options. You're either saved or you go to the lake of fire for all eternity, there's no middle. No middle. In Luke 16, two men die. Those are not parables. Those are not illustrations. They're stories. One dies and immediately he's with God. One dies and immediately he's in hell. Because that's the two choices. And if you don't know for sure today that you're in those stories where John saw those people around the Lord, then you might sadly be in this last one I read where they're casting you in the lake of fire forever and forever. But you don't have to be. You can get saved today. You can get it nailed down in your heart today. Would you bow your heads with me? Preacher, you come. I'm going to let Brother Steve handle the invitation however he sees fit. Thank you for your attention. Please give us a few more minutes this morning.
1: Amen. Well, if you would, stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. This is the moment of decision. And you might say, well, I'm going to accept Christ or, or not. I'll do it later. No, you're making a decision this morning. You're either going to accept Him or you're going to reject Him. Like you said, there's heaven, there's hell. Same thing. There's accepting Christ or rejecting Christ. There is no middle ground. Maybe you've already accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's wonderful. But maybe you haven't. Maybe you don't know for sure where you're going to spend an eternity. Look, you get this life and that's it. If you walked out of here this morning and you had a heart attack and dropped dead on the spot and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your savior. Oh, oh, let me, let me do it now. Let me accept Christ as my savior. It's too late, it's too late. You have this life and you don't know when you're gonna die. Look, life is fragile. Life is precious and you get one chance. This life and that's it. God's not some mean ogre standing up in heaven saying, well, I'll save this one and I'm not gonna save that one. No, the way that God chooses Who gets saved and who goes to heaven is those who accept him are saved and they go to heaven. Those who don't accept Jesus Christ reject him and they spend an eternity in hell. You know John 3.16 probably pretty well. God so loved the world. Not, well, this one and that one and not this group, not that group. God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's anybody, that's you, that's me, that's anybody. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's it. That's it. That's the gospel in a nutshell. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, then the unfortunate thing for you is that if you died this moment, you would spend an eternity in hell. The way to escape that? The way to get your name put in that book of life that he read about in Revelation chapter 20 is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And this invitation this morning is an opportunity for you to step out of your seat and to come forward. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out by name, but somebody will take you out and show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that you can go to heaven. Well, nobody can know that for sure. The Bible says that you can well, how do I know when I've done a, enough good works? How do I know when I've, when I've finally made it so that I can stand before God and He'll say, Well, you, you're good enough. Come on in. Because that doesn't have anything to do with it. It's accepting Jesus or rejecting Jesus, and that's it. You can be the best person in the world. If you reject Jesus Christ, He's going to look for your name, and it's not going to be there. You can be the worst person in the world. You can be a murderer, a thief, a robber. You can spend your life in prison and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? And your name's written in the book of life. It doesn't have anything to do with how good you are or how bad you are. It has everything to do with whether you accept or reject Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I'm gonna give you an invitation to come forward and let somebody take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. Maybe it's something that you've been battling in your mind for a long time. Is it something that I need to do? Should I do it? Look, let somebody take a Bible and show you. It's a very, very simple plan. It's a very simple thing. As the invitation is as as the panel plays, the invitation is opening.